Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. All right. Welcome to Everyone Gets a Trophy. It's me. It's Randy. We're going to talk about a bunch of random stuff. We're probably going to probably diverge or tangent off into me talking about wild animals attacking people. Randy will end up telling, making a baseball analogy. Uh, and then we'll talk about the only YouTube show worth watching with your kids, the outdoor boys. And we might even talk a little sports. What do you think about that, Randy? Yeah, we can mix a little bit in, but, uh, but yeah, I think at this point we've pretty much established what's going to happen. So buckle yeah. up. Here we go. Yeah. If, if you have any complaints, we've already established what this story is. Yeah. No, you, you know, what's coming at this point. It's, it's like going to see Maverick and being like, is this just going to be a bunch of flying? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, UT sports going to new heights, Randy. And that's, uh, Chris Del Conte actually hosted a virtual town hall. I called it a press conference and Randy corrected me. Uh, and it was kind of interesting. Some interesting stuff came out there. And this was, I'm just reading off the reportage of powerful Joe Cook from inside Texas and uh, precocious Joe Cook. You may know him as, and uh, I'm just going to run off some things that I thought were interesting. And if any of them strike you, let's stop and talk about it a little bit. Is that cool? Sounds good. All right, man, let's do it. Uh, okay. 2021, 2022, four national championships, six NCAA runners up 14 top 10 finishes, 84 first team, all Americans across. That's of course all, all sports. That wasn't just football folks. We didn't do all that. Um, and then a uh, base basketball season still yet to be played for both men's and women's pretty cool. Can you name all four of our national champions? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Rowing. Ooh, that was the hard one. Swimming and diving. Okay. Volleyball. Volleyball. Do we win two swimming and diving, men's and women's? See, Is I always, it? isn't it always? How does that count? And, how do you, I don't know how you, Is swimming and diving? I think it's swimming and diving. Can we get a ruling? I need a ruling. Judge? I, we need David McClellan on here. He'll, he'll be able to True. tell us. Um, yes. I think that is correct. So do I have uh, three or four? Volleyball. Yes. Did we win? Men, did we win tennis? I thought we won tennis. Rowing was 2021. Swimming. So it's men swimming and diving. Okay. So women's okay. tennis. I thought there was a tennis one in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. All right. Well, not a bad year considering the football team went eight and five, right? Get that back geared up. We'll be in yeah, high, high cotton. Let's join the company of those folks. <laughs> Randy, the most important thing in terms of achievement, 
75% of UT athletes had a 3.0 GPA or better. <laughs> the, did that, you know that's the a great talk. Did you know that's always such a great talking point? That's just, it's the best. Like it's just everybody always, it's such a great talking point, which I mean, it's an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong, but it's everybody loves throwing that 3 0 thing out there. Who won the Boone Academic Award for the 2021 baseball team? Probably someone like Daly. Mm. All right. I don't know. I don't know the kid. That's just a guess. All right. Actually, it's usually a bullpen catcher. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> Typically, that's usually one of the smarter guys on the team. They're like usually a some sort of engineering major or something. Well, what is it? Uh, Wade Boggs said the pitcher is the dumbest athlete on the field. The good ones, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. That explains baseball on so many levels. When do you want me to throw it? Where do you want me to throw it? Randy and I were just talking about Kenny Powers and how in many ways uh, you could see why he would be successful. Uh, all right. Let's go down the list here. We're adding LED lighting. I, hey, uh, construction expert, what, what is going to be the difference of LED lighting for our, our stadium? Power consumption savings. Does it, no. does it like light up cooler? Is it going to no. be? So, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you can do the like the pulsing lights and they'll be able to dim them, burn orange and do all the cool stuff that like Alabama and, and them have had uh, recently. It's actually been around for a while. We did one at a high school stadium whew, maybe four or five years ago now. Uh, it's gotten better, obviously, and UT will have a better lighting system than they did. But yeah, that's basically what it'll do. I mean, you can, I mean, you can go from pitch black to lights back on in a split second instead of having to do the old school wait thirty minutes for them to warm up stuff. But yeah, I mean, you can pulse them, do them burn orange after touchdowns and all that good stuff. So it'll be cool. Fans will like it. Can we do pulsing lights when the other team has the ball and try to induce a seizure in their quarterback? Jeff Trevor will say so. <laughs> since he seemed to think that we were piping in music <laughs> he, he was weird and salty about that game uh, everybody's uh, always got something right everybody's uh, always everyone, got something what was the other one with lsu was that we didn't put ac in their locker room and yeah it was broke. the ac was broken even though it was 120 degrees outside and heaven forbid the window units that are probably still in that locker or the uh, locker room can't can uh, drop the temperature 50 degrees was it woody hayes that used to paint the opposing locker room pink I thought that was an Iowa thing. Oh, maybe that was. Yeah, that sounds like something Iowa would have done under. Um, uh, who's the old Iowa legend football coach? Hayden Fry. Hey, yeah, I think it was an Iowa thing. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure. I love that. I love. I, I love bullshit like that. It's so stupid. But it's awesome. Little random. Little random head games. Never hurt anybody. I'm. I'm for it. Hey, right. I, I, I was on the board of. Yeah, I hope we did kind of. Maybe we leaked some Freon out of the AC over there. Hey, it's working. Leaks. It's good. We. <laughs> It's just not quite cool as well as it should. <laughs> and you get the added benefit of the Freon potentially, you know, affecting their health. Right? There you go. Yeah. All right. Listen to this. 2021-2022 UT Austin athletics revenue. $225 million. Expenditures, $216 million. It's like nonprofit status right there. That's yeah. <laughs> a nonprofit would pay an extra $9 million in salary to their execs uh, to make it exactly zero to zero. And then they tell you about how impoverished they are. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So here, here's a little uh, con contrast and compare. 
to those numbers. Rev, uh, expenses in 2019-2020 were uh, $175 million. Inflation will get you. Yeah. So I thought the, the most interesting part of that was the breakdown that I don't know if you saw that or not yet, but there, there was a guy that was posting like some screenshots that must have either been available or or whatever, but it broke it down like what the expenditure percentages were from like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. That was pretty interesting. Football was at like you know 20%. And I think the next highest one was maybe 12 or something like that. So it's just crazy. It's yeah, funny, that was that was in revenue. Sorry, that was in revenue, not expenditures. Like right. football made the like even more than like endowments and gifts and stuff. Hey, this will this will be interesting to you. It, it's it uh, might surprise you a little bit. Do you know what the total cost of the scholarships are for every sport across UT? Man, think about. I mean, that's a lot of dudes, right? And it's not baseball where you get like, you know, 61% of a scholarship or 42% of a scholarship. Right? I, I don't. At some point, I'm, I feel like I read an article about this and I was floored when you see the number of what it is. But it's it's not as high as you'd think. Given No, it's really not. Because I mean, well, scholarship, I mean, yeah, you're covering a lot. But I mean, it really, it's, it's not a super expensive endeavor to cover one if you have the money like Texas does. But um, so I don't know. What is it? 216 million of expenditures, 15 million of scholarships. I would, I would have guessed higher. I'd have yeah. been around 20 probably. Yeah, I guess it's also, I, I wonder if they're counting board. And Good point. I don't know how, about that. Yeah. How do they count that? I, I, I would assume they would account room and board, but I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I love this from Joe. Chris Del Conte announces season ticket prices are going down in all caps. Uh, comma admits there's one fewer game this year <laughs> credit him for admitting that because most people wouldn't have been like it's no. going down <laughs> exactly <laughs> at least he owned up to it <laughs> all right here's the latest on the scheduling um cdc didn't say uh we don't know what division we're going to be playing in or how it's going to be located see the fact that he even says that tells me that i, I it, it, they're not doing divisions i can tell you that i'm not sure um, I, I just, I think he's just being circumspect on purpose. He's, he doesn't want to talk about it. I think they're just right now. The big debate is whether they're doing eight or nine and then who are the permanent rivals and then how do you schedule it? Right. The, the answer for anyone with the brain is nine. I agree. I agree. I, I don't, the more I've looked at it and the more I've listened to people talk about it, I just, I don't see how you cannot do nine with three permanent and then rotate everybody else through. So you see everybody. Uh, twice every four years, home and away. Makes too much sense. It would be killer. And the, the objection to it is that it's killer. So if you are concerned about your job, you know, the SEC, they get a lot of mileage in their mid-tier jobs out of selling, hey, we went seven and five, but we're an SEC team. Yeah, I know we were three and five in conference, but you know, they scheduled their four wins out of conference and that, that will keep your job. Whereas you bring in just that extra game and then suddenly it's going to slant you a little bit, particularly if you want to have one ambitious non-con, right? And I think 
I think now this doesn't apply to Texas because we got to pay off for this move, right? We got to keep Michigan. We got to keep Ohio state on our schedule. But if you're a future scheduler for sec programs, you're very disincentivized from playing any uh, ambitious non-cons. If you go to a nine game sec schedule, is that true? myself personally, if I was doing it, no, I would still, I would still keep the one, the big, the one big game, but that one big game is almost going to have to be with the big 10 at this point. Cause where else do you go? So it's going to Oregon. Be, I mean, you got Oregon in the pack. Oh my God. You, you just said it's got to be with the big 10. And I was going to say, well, USC, UCLA, no, they're I, in the big 10. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Holy cow. So, I mean, I, like, where's your marquee matchup then? So, I mean, it, it, you're really incentivized to keep it between one of the big two. We're sure as hell not scheduling big 12 teams. And I don't, I don't think you're going to run yourself out of the playoff at 12 teams if you lose, uh, you know, a competitive game to Michigan in four years or whatever. Yeah, um, I get your point. I mean, you probably don't have to do it, but I think TV dollars are going to tell you to do it. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they throw enough dollars at you. You'll, you'll, you'll put that on the schedule, but. And then the other point that, that I, and I was with you hundred percent and now I'm probably only with you about 60% on the, uh, the seven and five argument. Yeah. If you look at where some of these are going to break as far as if they do do the three permanent rivals or whatever, they're going to create a de facto pod of the bottom feeders. Yes where two of them will have no choice but to go seven and five because they're going to play Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Mississippi state are going to form a little grouping. It's going to be like a minor league deal. And every once in a while they may pop up, but it'll it'll keep your mid-level record in play because they're going to be guaranteed to play, you know, mid tier to lower tier guys. So, so what if you're Georgia, you, you want to play, you've got to play Florida, right? Yes. Who are their others? Uh, I think the, the Tennessee? most that I heard, I think the most I heard was Florida, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Okay. I could see that. And then Bama will obviously be Auburn. Um, who are the other two? LSU and... I think Bama, Tennessee was one oh, that I've heard most oh, recently. Oh, Tennessee's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I don't actually think they had them paired with LSU um, every year, the one that I had seen most recently. Um, I don't know. Bama's kind of weird. That Bama's the one where they're, they're almost to the point to where they have one and they're on eight others wannabe list. Yeah. It's, it's how Texas used to be, right? Yeah, no, same. Yeah, very much so. It's just, it's, it's so easy to pigeonhole Texas to where it should be that I don't think it'll, it'll go off the rails too much, but I don't know. People have screwed up easier things. Well, all right. OU's guaranteed. That's, that's happening. Yeah, it's OU, Arkansas, A&M. Well, of course, but think about it. Which is the one we're most incentivized to get rid of? Arkansas. Yes because they're fired up to play us. This will make their season. And we're kind of like, you know, freaking join wait in line, right. Of yep. teams that want to beat us. Uh, and it gives them some uh, reinvigoration on the recruiting trail, particularly in mm-hmm. Northeast Texas. Yep. So it's useful for them. They're going to beg. They're, they're going to, they're going to say, who do you want to be matched with? They're going to say, Texas. 
Yeah. Anyone else? And we'll take anybody no, else. Like, Don't care. Yes. Yeah. You can give us, you know, they'll give them Missouri hmm? and maybe LSU. I don't know. Well, Missouri, Missouri has no like natural. I mean, it's got to be like Arkansas and Kentucky, right? I mean, well, and you know what pisses me off is Missouri doesn't play Kansas anymore and they should. That's, that's gutless. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a legit little hate, hate, you know, a little hate fest that people don't know about. Yeah. They're just a weird fit. Missouri? Yeah. Have you spent I, mean, I think they, they tried to join the Big Ten back in the day, and they, I think the Big Ten politely declined. Well, Missouri, like Ohio, is actually more of a mixed state than people realize. It's, yep. It is the South in the South. St. Louis has aspects that you would think, you know, there's, they have like a little Italy section. And then there's parts of Missouri that are like Midwest, you know, farm boys. Um, and you've got the, you know, you got pieces of the Ozarks. You got, you know, it's, it's a really interesting place, but people don't realize that about Ohio. Southern Ohio is Appalachia. Yep. Um, I've been there and it's beautiful country, but it's old steel mills and Appalachia. And then, you know, if you're, you know, all the Texas fans that went to the Ohio state game will tell you that they got townies galore, uh, hanging out there, you know, throwing beer cans at their opposing fans. So. Yeah, it's an interesting culture. The SEC as a whole, um, I mean, it's just going to be a juggernaut because it's not just uh, yeah. it's not just the addition of Texas and OU. It's not just the addition of Texas is the second biggest state in the country, and it's a state that keeps growing, right, for reasons. And the South as a whole has multiple states that are the places that people are flocking to, Right. So you have, you know, the, the cell in the SEC used to be, we care more. So we don't have the population base, but we all watch. So we, we jack up the ratings, right? Because we care more. Now it's going to be, we have all the demographic tailwinds mm. and we care more. No. And we and just added two t- top 10 all-time programs that don't just play football. You know, OU cares about basketball, Texas, you know, cares about basketball. I mean, Texas and OU both want to be good at everything. Yep. No, I think it's, I think it's going to raise, uh, definitely raise the Texas level, probably OU's as well. But I think the existing uh, SEC schools that are, you know, upper mid to to top tier that kind of float along are going to want to try and claw to, to stay on that top tier. No doubt. And I think you'll see, when we're talking about this, this, this coincides with the expansion of the playoff, which means that you're more likely to get those nine games because you can go six and three in SEC play and still make the playoff, the college football playoff. Yep. Very that's, easy. That's crazy. That's, so that's, a, that's such a sea change in how college football used to work. It, and we're saying used to work. I mean, like 2015. Like, right. Yeah. You catch an L at the wrong part of the year and you're, you're done. And at the end of the year, everyone's going, you know, I remember this, like, this is before and earlier, but I'm like, I think Miami might be the best team in the country right now, but they lost that early game to BYU and we'll never know. And then they, they come out and kick the shit out of Texas in the cotton bowl. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to see that anymore. There's not going to be any, well, if so-and-so quarterback had been healthy here, you know, well, they're like, go get in the playoffs and go cause trouble. Yep. It's going to be interesting. All right, let me, let me go on here. Grass. Should football and baseball be played on grass, Randy? 
yes to both. Yeah, I agree. The deal is CDC. I'm sympathetic to this one. Um, we just had field turf installed at DKR. Get it. hundred percent. Get it. You got to use it for a while. And I understand we burn money. We just talked about a program that spent $216 million in expenditures. Just go hire an Aggie and freaking put in the grass in what, two years. I don't know, but yeah, I'd say shelf life on that's like seven to 10 now. So uh, by the way, we don't have to hire an Aggie. We can go get an Auburn graduate now. Oh, there you go. We know we know new people. <laughs> Just we got new people. We could we got new people out to. But yeah, no, I, I the football field uh, for sure because I mean, I mean back in the day when it was still grass and they had the drainage system underneath it and everything. I mean it it would take, you know, Noah's art type stuff to not be able to play on a on a playable field. Yeah. Uh, I get the argument that we run a lot of people through the baseball field. You know, it it, it hosts camps and stuff in the off season, but um, I, I'll say this: I wish I'd have played on the turf that they have now because it's it may be even slower than real grass. <clears throat> um, because we had the uh, old school carpet over concrete back in the day that uh, did not play the way it plays now. But um, so what, like a well hit grounder would go firing out the, the yeah. I mean, it's just you know, I mean, your infielders had to play a little deeper, you know, you had bounces here and there. But I mean, you know, the slow ground ball was a medium ground ball, the medium ground ball was through to the outfield. Just it just changed your timing on everything, hmm. which I think probably had a little bit to do with the struggles uh, over the weekend on um infield play up in Arlington because like I said that the turf they play on over at Dishfalk is slow. I mean, yeah. it is, it's slow. Um, so even a, a tightly kept big league field like that probably plays quicker. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I've always been a grass person for, for both of those sports. So indoor facility, that's coming. Uh, CDC was a little circumspect about that one. I think it's all but settled. It's going to be the school of social work. If you guys know where that is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the other answer is, honestly. I mean, I know they're, drawing some stuff up, but that, that makes the most sense to me. Interesting. Uh, as well-funded as Texas certainly is and has great facilities everywhere. The bubble is horrible. And Who is? I went, I went to, uh, air forces indoor facility. Uh, Texas fan who listens to this podcast, his son plays for the air force Academy. And so I got to go watch a practice there. Their indoor facility is freaking phenomenal. And I can see it from my backyard. Um, it's beautiful. And it was interesting. You would have had a little flashback and nostalgia there, Randy. It was a bunch of, they had all their groups, right? And it's air force. So they're pretty deep because they've got a bunch of walk-ons as well. They're not just limited to their scholarship. And they had four offenses going simultaneously on the field and it's all option, all running little option plays. I recognize all of the like load blocks and all that stuff. You would have laughed. You'd have gotten a kick out of it. All right. Um, oh, listen to this one. This is kind of funny. The SEC requires 2,500 tickets to be in the lower bowl. So we can't put bands in the upper deck anymore, Randy. Can we just give them 2,500 tickets and still put the band in the upper deck for a year <laughs> just, to, just to make a point? <laughs> I, uh, I, I know we're giving up that. seats, but I, but I would love to see it just, just to make a point. Well, and the thing is, it's a reciprocity thing because Texas travel fans are the best fans. 
right? So yes. there's an element of Texas travel fan that's like, oh, I live in blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go to the game. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you know, ev- when I lived in California, every time Texas played anywhere on the West Coast, I was there and I was so fired up. But then there's the travel fans that live in Austin, Houston, Dallas, or they live in St. Louis, Missouri, and they go freaking travel to every Texas game. And they're awesome fans, right? I'm sure it's the same for baseball. Yes. Yeah. There, there, there's that core group that does that. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, and, and you're right. You're right. So there's a version of that for every school in the SEC, and it's reciprocity. It's just saying, hey, let's take care of each other's school's best fans. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with it, but I, I do think I, I just that whole story just got blown so out of proportion that it just drives me crazy every time anybody brings it up. You mean that the press did not report accurately on objective data, Randy? Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but it just it's uh, golly, it just you couldn't go anywhere without hearing about it for like two months straight. And then they, you know, like anything else. Well, here's another one that I it shocks me that I encounter people who say this all the time, you'll encounter people writing editorials in Texas papers complaining about this. UT athletics is not funded by taxpayer dollars, period. And I'm not saying that like we have a cute little workaround. I mean, no taxpayer dollars go to UT athletics. Do you think if you flew airplanes around the state with that on like the banner thing that people would finally understand that or do you think think it's just something that's destined forever to be misunderstood i think they would say you flying the airplanes proves that state money in fact state money paid for those airplanes so but i i run into texas fans who don't know this and you'll run into texas professors who don't know this and so my dad is a prophet ut and you know he was aware of that and he was like look and uh, you know we're here to do school if you're if you're enrolled at school and you're a professor, you're there to do school. But he loves UT sports. I've been going to him ever since I was a kid, right? And he understood that the sports was the front door for the university. And for a, a good state university, which is what UT is and would want should want to be, uh, being good at sports is great recruiting material. And it's fun. It's fun when you're there. And if it's not any money that is coming from like the state that could otherwise go to academics or whatever. Why do you care? Like now, if you're saying, well, that money should be diverted to academics, go make your case. We've got the rich alums numbers, call them up, go, go get your endowment. My dad was the Herb or he was the Joan Kelleher uh, professor of English at Texas. So Herb Kelleher, the old CEO of Southwest airlines, who's a character in his own right, uh, liked literature. And his wife was a big reader. And so he endowed a seat at the University of Texas. That was, that was my dad's endowment. Uh, so yeah, and if, you, if you wanna go make your case, go find the rich alums and go court them and tell them why you should be the Red McCombs professor of women's studies or whatever the hell you are. Yep. By the way, RIP to Red McCombs. Yes, yeah, saw that a while ago. That's terrible. I didn't realize he was 95. That's a hell of a run. I hope to make it one day. Yeah, a 90. Well, hey, man, if you and I make it long enough, we might uh, hit the singularity. You know about that, right? You know what no. that is? So the, the singularity, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> All right, tangent. Here, here, here's the first one, people. Here be, here be tangents. You know, like the old maps in like the 16th century when they're trying to map the world, <laughs> and it would be like, here there be dragons, meaning like, I don't know what's here. Yeah. Here be tangents. All right. So the singularity is the idea that technology isn't 
increasing at a rhythmic rate, right? Our technology, uh, once you hit a certain point, it begins to increase at an exponential rate. So once you get AI involved and the AI starts to create the technology and things like that, technology doesn't go like at a positive curve as we've experienced over the last century. Uh, it goes like this, right? The, the curve goes almost like a straight line up because you'll have technological improvements. This is the theory that will happen in a week that would have otherwise taken a thousand years because you're applying AI and processes that are self-replicating and you, you create basically exponential growth. The singularity is the, is the premise that if that's happening, then if you can live to a certain age, you can effectively live forever because they're going to have treatments for every disease. They're going to, you know, at the worst case, if your body's depleting, they're going to put your brain in a little microchip and you're going to live in a computer program. Randy is, un Randy is unimpressed. <laughs> not my, not this, my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. He thought the singularity was a pitcher who only has a fastball. I thought it was my daughter's allergy medicine. <laughs> Singular. <laughs> I didn't know. I, if, I thought you were trying to tell me I, all I had to do was take my daughter's allergy medicine to live to be 100. If, I was, you start I was taking, down. if you start taking your daughter's allergy medicine tonight, you will live forever, Randy. You will be a Highlander. How about that? Oh, man. Tell me you've seen that movie. I have. Yes. All right. It's great. It's classic. All right. Um, uh, he made a little NIL pitch. Yep. Hey, they're going to keep Moody at 10,000. I like I it. I sign it off. I, I'm on it. I'm a, I'm a supply and demand guy at heart. Like, I, I like it. Let's, let's fill it up every night and make people want to go. I want more demand than available supply. If yep. you want to create a true um, hornet's nest, that's how you do it. Yeah. And I know there's people like, well, for big opponents, it'd be nice if we sat 18,000. Nope. It's like, nope, too bad. Get there earlier. Get there earlier. Pay for your season tickets. Duke, Duke seats, what, like 2,200? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that small, but it feels it's, like it. It's pretty small. And two-thirds of it's a bunch of dorks uh, painted blue wearing devil horns. All right, Randy, I, I need your opinion on this one. This is this is a... Uh, this is going to determine how progressive you are. Small P. Ooh. Alternate football uniforms. Nope. Are you one of these olds that's nope. all grumpy? And why didn't you guys wear um, like some cool, like pinstripe, black, silver? You would have looked awesome in that. Come on, man. I, th I think they did uh, right when Augie first got here. And I don't think it went over so well. I heard about but that. Much like the black uniforms that the basketball team wore against Duke when they got pasted by 60 didn't go over so well either. <laughs> and Randy, whatever either, whatever Randy that watching was. the television was like, that serves you right. <laughs> no, I'm not like a purist at that that level to where, you know, it's like, no, never. I mean, I'm okay with a little tweaks here and there to, to kind of, you know, make them look a little more modern or whatever. But nah, the black and all the stuff that you see people throwing around on the internet, I'm good. What about the argument that recruits see Oregon and they think it's lit? Let them go be lit. <laughs> You'll win with guys with good firm handshakes and there you go. That's right. Values. All right. We don't need guys to run four fours. I want somebody that thinks that his uniform is very, very uh, historic. These are work clothes, said Daryl right. Royal. But uh, um, but no, I just I'm I'm not a I'm not an alternate guy. 
I'm, I'm like you. I like the traditional burn orange and white. I think there's a timelessness to it. I think there's certain college football uniforms that are timeless. I think Texas is one of them. And look, if I thought the white uniforms or the burn orange uniforms look like crap, I'd be all about changing them. But I think they're really, really good uniforms on top of the quote unquote historic element too. I mean, I think the white uniform is the best uniform in college football. So I, w- I would also get the Texas off the front and just have the numbers. I'd be good with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I like That's what that. I said. You, you can tweak it from year to year, maybe change it up a little bit, throw the numbers back on the shoulders if you want to for a bit. And, yeah. and if you know, it's, it's been tweaked over the years. I mean, you see that with the throwback jerseys they do now. Um, I'm just out on a wholesale alternate that's like black or neon orange or whatever. Here's why the marketing people hate us. Because when you do things like that, you're just creating alternate revenue streams, right? Of buying those jerseys and getting those. I mean, it's, you know, they love it when NBA players switch their number. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ricky Williams, how many numbers did he have at Texas? 11. <laughs> 34. He wore 37. For had a to bit. honor Doak Walker for reasons we don't know mm, no. why he's he, honoring an he had the good, guy. He had the good stuff the night before and was like, I'm going to wear 37 today. Doak sounds like dope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, I get all the arguments for it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not not immune to the fact that I understand, but no, I'm good. Randy's, Randy's grumpy, grumpy traditionalist. All right. I'm, I'm like you actually. Uh, I do have to admit that I do get a kick out of the organs of the world who don't have a tradition. And frankly, if you look at their old helmets from the 1980s and seventies, it's, it's a freaking duck on it. It's hilarious. Um, I love that. They just do crazy, stupid stuff that makes me adjust the color on my television. I think it's funny. I- I am okay with one potential historic tweak All right, let's every once in a while. I love the Screaming Bevo. I love the Screaming Bevo, too. That's my favorite Texas shirt. If you want to throw that on whatever you want to throw it on, go for it. I love the old school Screaming Bevo. That, that awesome. era of college mascots is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they really are good. It's really funny. Uh, I remember those being on like pennants and programs and stuff, even when I was a kid, but you don't see the old screaming Bevo much anymore, but that's my favorite Texas t-shirt. I've got a retro screaming Bevo t-shirt and I put it on for big games, Randy. Oh, the lucky shirt, even better. Nice. It's, it's a lucky shirt. Yeah. It, it, uh, it won you a national title, buddy. So appreciate it. I didn't know if you were aware that I played a key role in that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a week. You thought it was the players on the field, Randy. I'll, it was, I'll it take was me. I'll take all the help we can get. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Chris Del Conte says he wants to have seven home games each year in DKR. Hard to do with the nine-game schedule, right? There's going to be some years where you, you've got to do five roadies. But, that was ah, it. Well, four roadies, one neutral. That's right. That's our worst year every year because we always will have the neutral. Are we going to go home and home to OU? You think that'll no. happen? No. Would you like that to happen? No. There's a small contingent of Texas fans and a slightly larger contingent, though small, contingent of OU fans who want that. I don't even see the argument on that, to be honest with you. I love it. I love Dallas. I just love Texas OU. I love I'd, the I'd, stop short, I'd stop short of saying that I love Dallas. 
all right, real quick. But I do right? love the state fair and I, right? I love the whole thing about it. Yeah. All right. If you can't live in a small town, all right, and you want to live in a place where there are Applebee's, Randy, your favorite restaurant. Oh, man. Randy loves Applebee's non-ironically, Here's folks. Second, second tangent. All right. It's not that I love Applebee's. It's just every minor league town had an Applebee's. It might not have been named Applebee's, but it was an Applebee's. Yes. Good point. <laughs> I had after we went to a wedding this weekend and I had after wedding drinks at an Applebee's. It wasn't named Applebee's, <laughs> but it was me, my wife, and a random group of Kansas State fans that I still can't figure out why they were there because I looked at every college schedule I could find. <laughs> Interesting. They, they were just there. I don't know. <laughs> so you can't live in, in small town, Texas. What power ranked your cities real quick? Ooh. What are we classifying as cities? A population greater than 250,000. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, I would really like Fort Worth. Um, Is that your number one? Probably. All right. Austin would have been a little different now. Too big for its britches now? Probably still number two, though. All right. San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. You have Houston ahead of Dallas? Yes. All right. Well, all you guys who like to have Houston versus Dallas battles, Randy is a Houston guy over Dallas. I just don't, I don't go there much either. I don't really have any. My, my experiences with Dallas are going in the State Fair. Oh, okay. Do you like Houston because it's so beautiful? Oh, no, it's not that. And when I, <laughs> Probably just because of the Astros and I like the stadium. <laughs> All right, so you could be closer to the Astros. That's your argument. There you go. Yeah. All right. So if you're a Mavericks fan, that's a, that's that? a really really off the cuff um, evaluation of this. And I noticed El Paso didn't make your top, even your rankings. I don't think I've ever even been to El Paso to be honest with you. I think the furthest west I've been is like Eagle Pass, Del Rio. Oh, I drove through it once. Take that back. Sorry. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, Fort Worth. What do you got? I, I don't like it. I mean, stockyards like is cool. It's it's kind of. I mean, I know it's growing like all of them, so who knows? But still, kind of got a little bit more of a laid back, old Texas feel sort of to me. It it reminds me when I go there of the Austin that I sort of grew up in. I would agree with that. I mean, similar neighborhoods, big broad streets. Um, yep. You even see, God help you, kids out riding their bikes and playing tackle football. Um, yeah. And I don't know if uh, maybe somebody on this uh, thing listens, but uh, maybe I can get a free bottle of whiskey out of this. But if y'all are in Fort Worth and you want to go check out Acre Distilling Company, that's where the uh, rehearsal dinner for that wedding was. And that was awesome. It was in the not, old, the old paid sponsor, the old Hell's Half Acre. If you're a Western buff, Paul. Um, but yeah, all their stuff's named after those kinds of people. And it was a really cool deal. Not a paid sponsor. So I don't endorse that message. I'm trying to get him to be. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. No, I, I don't, I don't see that. I'm playing, I'm playing checkers over here. You're playing chess. I'm sorry. I wasn't aware we had paid sponsors. Those checks seem to not be finding their way to my house. <laughs> I, I pay you in steak. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to send you, pay, you an Applebee uh, gift certificate just to further taunt pay, you, that you because you, you can't me, use it. Pay me in mortgage kickbacks. Uh, I, 
I'm going to start doing that as, as often as you refinance with Gabe. <laughs> we probably need to do that. And speaking of Gabe, uh, who is not a paid sponsor, but a great guy. Uh, Gabe is a guy that I have referred to. I sat down and calculated, Randy, off this podcast and just, you know, other vehicles or just word of mouth. I think I've referred him 100 people. And of the 100, uh, I've had so many emails, so many texts, so many so much feedback about what a good job Gabe did for them. If you want to experience the Gabe Winslow experience, uh, reach out to him. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. That's 832-557-1095. Or go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Really sharp guy. He is a Texas lunatic, just like me and Randy. He's got 20 years in the industry. He's got a law degree. He is uh, a bit sharper than the average mortgage fella. And uh, he is very strategic. He's a guy who kind of wants to partner with you. So even if you're thinking about buying a house or it's on the radar, the time to do it is not when you find the house. The time to do it is contact Gabe now and sit down and start talking about a strategy. Tell him about the price range. Tell him about what you want to do. And he will start looking at specific structure deals just for you. I'm not doing justice to what he can do for you. Gabe is really good at what he does. And uh, all jokes aside, give him a call. 832-557-1095. If you're looking for a Sentex realtor, Laura Baker is the lady to call. Uh, hey, realtor, the real estate market in Austin is uh, slowing down a little bit. And that's creating an interesting opportunity, both on the buy and sell side. So whatever side of that equation you're on, you need the best possible. You need someone who is a full-time realtor who does this all the time and is really good at her job. And that's Laura. Give her a call, 512-784-0505. She's award-winning member of the Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. Randy, we're back. Um, I did my plugs. So anything else we need to hit on this uh, CDC? I, I thought the, the Del Conte <clears throat> seven home games thing was pretty interesting. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, I know it gets a little tougher at nine, but I still think that's the way that you create the best value home schedule. I think what you do is you take the poorest SEC team and you say, hey, we'll cover your costs. We'll, we'll, take, we'll pay for your home game. Transfer it over to Austin. Who would that be? Vanderbilt. Do you think Vanderbilt's the poorest? Who's the poorest? Mississippi State? Probably Mississippi State, yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, just spitballing. I don't know. I don't know what Vandy's coffers look like. I just know that they have 75 baseball players on scholarship. That's a good point. I, I bet Starkville has an Applebee's. Oh, 100% guaranteed. Yeah. Not named Applebee's. It's, it's, I bet it's named like Sean's. <laughs> is, is, uh, <laughs> it's making me laugh. No offense to Sean. Is Starkville, would Starkville be too fast, fast paced for you? I've never been there. I don't know. It may be. Maybe. What's the commute time in Yoakum? <laughs> the where? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did I catch the light or no? <laughs> that's that's it. That's pretty much it. Uh, what's what's the distance Yoakum to Quero? Twenty miles? Uh, somewhere around there. Probably it takes me about seventeen minutes. All right. Next time I'm driving through and I'm going yeah. to Rockport, I'm going to stop and uh, we'll go to. So where do you eat? Do you have a favorite restaurant in Yoakum? Uh, Emiliano's good Mexican place. Uh, it's a good Mexican place, but they have a lot of other good stuff too. They actually have a really good, uh, kind of, it's, it's a more of a Mexican style ribeye, but 
Nice. They, have, they have a good food. It's legit good food. There, there's, it's a town of almost 6,000 people. And I think we have um, definitely surpassed our quota of Mexican food places. Um, but most of them are really good. Like they're not just, you know, random crap. It's, it's actually pretty good stuff. So, but, uh, but yeah, we can't, can't seem to, can't seem to keep anything else afloat other than your typical small town chain stuff. Oh, you guys don't have an Ethiopian restaurant that closed last week. They, they had a, they had a hell of a run. <laughs> no, did not. They had a Chinese food place for a little bit. I bet it was uh was it like what Panda Express level? No, it was actually pretty good. Extra MSG. Oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. definitely. All right. Uh, all right. Well, if any of you are thinking about opening up uh, sort of a nouveau Western slash Indian food place, look at Yoakum. Right. Or you can just explain to me why all small towns follow that demographic. I think it's just because people are like, I can't make enchiladas, but I can make a steak. That's yeah. That, that honestly that's, I think that's it. literally the deal. It's like, if, most, you know, if I'm, mm-hmm. most people cannot cook Mexican food as good as what you can go acquire at a good Mexican place. Yeah. And it's not expensive and it's not expensive. And it's one of the things, you know, where the, do you, so do you do the thing with the wife of like, what do you feel like eating? Oh, what do you feel like eating? And then you go back and forth. Do you do that? Yeah. Not bad to an extent. Oh, all right. Well, before you're married, you understand that that's. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah, no, I know all the. Right. I know the dance. The thing that you can always sort of go like, let's just go get Mexican, and then they'll go okay, unless you had Mexican the night before, in which case, like, well, you can we'll still do Mexican it. Again. Yeah, that's true. It's you true. just change. You change up your preferred method of <clears throat> chili sauce, flour, tortilla, and cheese. You, you put get, it, you know, put it on the outside instead of on the inside. It's like Italian food. It's all the same. You get a burrito instead of an enchilada. Then you put Correct. on green sauce instead of red. There you right. go. All right. They're going to expand dish fog. Saw that. Is that surprising to you? Did How much can we expand this to and still like, can, um, are we going to pack this thing if we expand it? That would be my concern. I mean, yes. And, you know, postseason in big games. Yes. Yeah, but you're going to have the midweek game against Tarleton, and there's going to be 1,400 people in the stands. Like, I'd have to see the numbers on what, but it, it, I, I don't know. I would have to see it packed out more regularly throughout the regular season before I would get into a permanent expansion, I think. Now, there is, the, there is the if you build it, they will come argument. Yeah. But – I don't know. That's 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 a tough one there. Well, we just did the supply demand equation for Moody. Mm-hmm. Why does that apply to Dishfuck? No, right? I, I I'm on. Yeah, I, that's why I said I I would have to see it more consistently packed out before I would sink money into it. So I think it's probably in a pretty good spot right now um, to where you can hold pretty much whatever you want for regular season games. I mean, maybe you can bring in some. I mean, they already kind of do. They bring in some temp stuff down the third baseline for, for regionals and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, unless you're just going to do an expansion that kind of increases the amenities, I, I don't know that you necessarily need to add seats right now until it's been proven that you do. Mm hmm. I mean, I get it. I mean, I guarantee you the argument is, well, Mississippi State owes 12,000. It's like, yeah, well, they tend to pack about 10 to 11 in there pretty regularly. Interesting. So do we need to reduce DKR to about 55,000? Make it a hot ticket? 
No, but I don't know that it needs to get much bigger either. No, I don't think we should expand it. I say we cut it in half, and the other half is pickleball. <laughs> All right. You'd probably fill it. <laughs> probably fill it. Uh, let's see. They're going to try to make Texas OU a PERMA 2.30 p.m. time slot. Hallelujah. I want to go full death match and make that thing at seven. All right. So let's talk about it. Let's do this. All right. To hear UT fans talk, and these are all dudes who grew up in the suburbs of Dallas and Houston, right? Clearly, they're like, it's too dangerous. It's, it's just, it's South Dallas. It's not a big deal. Like, get over yourself. They, they make it sound like it's the movie Colors from with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall, right? Yeah. It's, no, I don't, I don't get that argument. I my don't my in-laws run a, uh, my in-laws run uh, three tents uh, at the state fair and they walk back to their apartment pretty much every night for a month and a half. Have they been, mur- have they been 11, murdered every night? No. There, there's been some vehicles go missing. Yes. But, yeah, but, that uh, could happen. That, 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 that's been known to happen multiple places, not just there. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't buy that argument. I mean, it, look, I mean, <laughs> there's places in Yoakum I'm not going to go after midnight if, unless I have to. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. It Just but, uh, don't be an idiot. How epic will the fan fights be for a night? That's why I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big people watcher, and I just think it'd be great because there's nothing better than sitting out there at about mm, 3 o'clock watching people roll out of that stadium after Texas beats OU and just watching all the OU people just pissed off at the world. And I just would love to see how exponentially worse it would be at 1130. It'd be real bad. But I'm not I saying mean, it would be any better the other way around. It would just be fun. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, so I hear, I do think this is the argument. I don't think DPD yes. is, is equipped to handle all the crowd control, all the parking, because there is no parking down there. 2, 2.30 is the correct time. Yeah, but I, I agree to your chaotic, anarchic... Uh, Can we just do it one year? I just want to see one year of it. The, the inner Randy that wants a little chaos, I respect but, it. I get it. But no, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to park in some areas where you're going to want a group walk back, probably. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But no, I, I agree. I mean, it, it needs to be at 2.30, though. I, that would be ideal. All right. Uh, Dish Falk. <clears throat> we kind of touched on this. Del Conte does say he wants to go in grass. Mm. Um, I think just like our state, the football stadium, didn't they put down brand new turf on Dish Uh I don't know how long ago it's been, but not that long ago. It's, it's definitely still within its lifetime. Listen to this one. This is the last comment in the thread from Joe. Uh, Chris Del Conte says they struggle to find a company to make printed tickets. I saw that though. How random was that? And should well, we make a company that prints tickets? I, so <laughs> this part is going to be cut out of the podcast. Cause yes, Randy, we're talking after this podcast. Cause you and I are starting a biz. Um, okay. So that's an older alum asking, Hey, I don't want to do all this electronic ticketing. Can I just have yep. a paper ticket in my hand? Um, 
I'm somewhat sympathetic to that in the sense that there are times when I'm going to the airport. I, I use the electronic, but sometimes I just want the paper ticket. Uh, so I don't have to take out my phone or you know, whatever, right? Or my phone runs out of battery. They're struggling to find a company that will make a paper ticket. I, I think that's a cop out. And I don't believe that. Yeah, I, I know plenty of people in the printing uh, business that well, are- Screw printing business. I've got Adobe. Well, well <laughs> they're, they're probably willing to take on that account. You uh, and I can you, start, we're going to start a printing company, right? I got Adobe PDF, dude. Yeah. You and I can do this. I promise you. What he didn't say is that uh, it's way easier or way harder to counterfeit a mobile ticket and that they, don't have, to worry, and they don't have to worry about it. That's what I, that's why you're on this pod, Randy. That's exactly why it's, yeah. it's a anti-fraud measure. Absolutely. And there's no question. And there's a ticket accountability aspect to it. People can lose their paper tickets, right? And then they go demand, well, yep. they, they lost their paper ticket to their relatives. They're going to sneak into the row, right? Correct. Um, now there is the old, old school sneak into a stadium thing, which is you just put like a bag of ice on your shoulder and you put on a windbreaker and you walk towards the ticket guys and you go, hey, is Mike over in six? I'm going to go over and get this. And you just walk past them, right? You ever done that? Uh, no. Uh, nor, guy, nor have I ever heard of it. Oh, no, no. There's a guy who successfully snuck into every Super Bowl. Have you ever heard of this guy? With a bag of ice? No, he's got various ruses. Oh, One okay. of them is you put on a windbreaker, like generic windbreaker, so you look like you're some kind of stadium staff. You put a bag of ice or something random in your hand, yeah. some implement, and as you walk towards the gate guy, you go, hey, I'm, I'm heading over to go get such and such done. And the guy just nods at you like, oh, okay. You know, you, you have an authoritative look, right? It's like if you're skipping class in school and you're sneaking out of the high school, when you see a teacher walking towards you, you don't hide or walk away. You walk towards them and greet them warmly. Oh, yeah, you just keep rolling. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. You know, hey, what are you doing out, Paul? Oh, you know me. I'm just making my rounds, you know, and they're thinking, oh, some teacher sent him on an errand, right? Anyway, you're not impressed with my, this is, I'm getting, I don't know where you, I don't know where you read this stuff. This is, I, I just make it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, it's like the singularity. It's not even real. I just made it up on the spot. Nice. I'm writing a, I'm writing a sci-fi book, Randy. All right. Uh, all right. Anything else from the town hall we need to touch on? Or anything that sparked I don't in think, your mind? I think you, I think you kind of hit on pretty much all the, all the main topics. But uh, I thought there was, just, I mean, I was just impressed that there was a, a, that much meat out there, and it wasn't just your typical, oh, here's what we did this year, and yeah. ticket prices are going down, and everything's just. I mean, there was, I mean, he he chopped it up for real and gave some real information to people. One more thing to add. They asked if he was going to add more sports. And they said, we're looking at it, but it would have to be women's sports. We can't add any more men's sports. I saw that because Title IX and the, the Title makeup, of the, makeup of the university has to reflect the athletic program. That's yep. interesting. I didn't know yep. that. Yeah. Uh, it's good news for the guys at Texas, though, honestly. Oh, the, the student yeah, I mean, you're, makeup? Yeah. I mean, didn't wasn't it TCU not long ago? Maybe they still do, but TCU used to be like sixty-two percent girls. SMU was like fifty-eight percent. Hmm. 
And I remember that in high school, I had a buddy going to TCU and I was like, Oh, you know, why are you going to TCU? He's like, well, 62% women. <laughs> that was a selling point. <laughs> I was like, all right. It's a good selling point for a 19 year old. It's good a selling point as any, you know, why are you going Randy? Well, I got a pitching scholarship. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's valid. Um, yeah. So I, if they did add women's sports, what do you think it's going to be? We have a field hockey team. I feel like that's, that's a thing like a, now. That's like a Northeastern liberal arts school thing. Lacrosse? Is there female lacrosse? I don't know. Probably. Probably. Quidditch? I think we already have a club that. Pretty do, you know sure Quidditch, do you know what Quidditch is? Uh, it's the thing from Harry Potter. Yeah. So you're more of a fantasy than sci-fi guy. But I'm pretty sure that we have I'm dead serious. I think I saw this somewhere it's where a we, club sport. we yeah. won a Quidditch championship not too long ago. I think so AM did too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so you're more uh, of like a fantasy over sci-fi guy. That's what that tells me. I, I don't even know how to is, I don't even know how to classify those two things, but sure, let's well, go you with know, it. You know what Quidditch is, but you don't know what the singularity is. So that's that tells oh, me. Oh, okay. Well, if, if that's the defining characteristic, then yes, I am. You're more Lord of the Rings than Dune. Yes. Okay. See, did you see the Lord of the Rings movies? I did. did and I don't know them? what Dune and I don't know what Dune is. So you <laughs> you're know correct. Dune is. <laughs> so you're correct. All right. Well, it was a recent movie, and it's based on a famous. Oh, it's recent. Movie. Yeah, no, it's recent. I don't know anything about them. I don't think I've seen a movie in the theater in like five years. But no. all right. So we've learned that you are more of a, a fantasy guy over sci-fi. All right. Okay, I'll take that. All right. You seen? Have you seen Starship Troopers? Probably back in the day at some point. Right. But do you, do you watch Star Wars films? No, 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 <laughs> no, not not that far. Okay. Star Trek. No. All right. Is there anything not based in reality that you would go spend money to go see in a theater? Aren't they all not based in reality? Well, that's that's a fair point. But I'm saying Save It Private Ryan has some non Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, man, I can't remember ever going and seeing like a... Not really a Marvel guy. I mean, I watch them, but... Well, they're all the I'm same. I'm just movie. boring. I'm just a. I'm just a boring guy from Hope, Texas, Paul. They're all the same movie. Give now. me, give me a western, and I'm happy. What's your favorite western? Oh man, I couldn't even tell you. It's been a forever. I should know many, many, many of them off the top of my head. But Outlaw Josie Wales. That's a good one. Lonesome Dove's probably Lonesome in the top two or three. It just takes forever to watch it. Yeah, Lonesome Dove, I'll still get choked up. But I don't know, man. I can't. I hadn't watched a. I hadn't sat down and watched a movie in so long. I couldn't even tell you. You saw Unforgiven, right? Yes, that was a good one. Great flick. I saw. What's the old Clint Eastwood, Sergio Leone spaghetti western, where he's the reincarnated marshal that was whipped to death in the streets, and then he has him paint the town red, and he. What's it called? God dang, it's awesome. It's such a great western. I know the one you're talking about. Oh man, it's the best. Are you gonna search that up while we're talking? Yeah. Um paints that and he says, and it's like welcome to hell. He makes him put that sign. It's not high plains drifter. How could I have forgotten? There you go. That's amazing. Another good one is hang them high. I was gonna say that that popped in my head a while ago. That was a good one. Next time you hang a man. And he like 
pulls away his neck kerchief and it's got all the striations of the rope on his neck. Make sure you finish the job. All right. How badass would that be? Getting hanged and surviving and then killing everyone? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd probably have to do that. I yeah, I just skipped the hanging part probably, but <laughs> just killing a lot of people. <laughs> well, yeah, that didn't now come across. Getting, that didn't come across real to, well. <laughs> now we're getting back to the seven thirty Texas OU night game that Randy wants. That's, that's, that's where it's all coming from. It's all starting to come together now. Oh, I'm understanding the theme of this podcast. All right, that's the Texas related stuff that I thought of. Um, Texas baseball, in fairness <laughs> to these guys. Let's let this season play out a little more before I get your thoughts, because it's a little early. And I think this is a, a young team finding its legs, to put it mildly. Very, yeah, very much so. I'm, I wouldn't put a whole lot into that. I mean, they were in two games and they got blasted in one that they made five errors in against, a good, the, against a good competition. So did you see the Austin Steele? Uh, or sorry, the, the God, the pitcher, uh, Steli, or was it? Oh, Staley. Steely, uh, sorry. sorry. Uh, somehow I had Steely Dan in my head. Did you see his uh, box score? That was a weird one. I know that. <clears throat> no earned runs, eight <laughs> runs. Just, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I I don't think you can put a whole lot of stock in this weekend. The only thing I'll say is I, they went into the season with a lot of unanswered questions, and you would have liked to have probably seen a couple answered and I, I, don't, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's going to be a team that is going to have to tweak and sort of figure out ways to win games throughout the year. And they're going to have to win close games and they're going to have to find some guys step up because they just, yep. they don't return the experience and life didn't get any easier. They lost a lot of dudes. Lost a lot of talent. Really talented. Not, guys. not even so much talent, just, experience contributors that i mean were there for forever that knew how to play the game and you know knew everything about what it took to to roll in and out of big weekends and stuff like that so like i said i wouldn't i wouldn't push the panic button just yet but uh i think it'll be a team that is just going to have to kind of weave its way through the season while they figure out who they are and who their guys are and sort of try and maybe hit their stride there towards middle to end the conference role in the postseason if they can get there. Yeah. Speaking of uh, OU, Texas hasn't really – I don't think Texas has lost a, a sport or a game to OU this year. And that culminated home game against OU. They went to overtime. They beat them. It's the Big 12. Like, every game seems like a drag-out fight. And – there's aspects of this basketball team that continue to be a little frustrating at times. There's other aspects that are awesome. They're, they're fun to root for because they certainly try and they don't, they don't quit. What I have noticed since Beard's departure is that the defense has gotten worse and the offense has gotten maybe a little more free-flowing. Yes. Uh. Obviously, they're still a top 10 basketball team and get in the tournament with good guard play. Anything can happen. Any thoughts on the basketball team in general? Any 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 just basic summation of what you've seen the last couple of weeks? Just from my standpoint, I, I mean, I think if they could tighten up the defense just a little bit, um, I like the offensive style a little bit more so now. Um, you know, Rice has really picked his game up. Uh, they, they'll... 
they'll kind of fall through the post a little bit more now uh, if, if it's available. You know, they run it through Bishop in a couple games. I didn't get to see a whole lot of OU game. I saw a little bit at the end. Um, but, man, if I, I said it, I think, the last time we are on the pod, if, if and I don't at this point, I don't know if it's coming or not, but if, if they could get Hunter back to where he was and you have three guards, then you're scary, scary in the tournament. But I, at this point, I don't think it's happening. No. So you just try you just try and get quality minutes out of him and hope Rice continues to take off and hope Carr stays hot. Um, the size inside, that was a concern coming in the season, but it you can't fix it at this point. It is what it is. They just got to rebound better in, in certain instances. But um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's a fun team to watch. I mean, there's definitely no quit in them. And, you know, they play hard and they play tough. And, uh it just every game seems to be. I mean, and like you said, it's a Big Twelve, and they're you're going to play a lot of tight games. But I think we've played ourselves into a couple of tight games uh, recently, to where maybe they didn't have to be. I agree with that 100. percent And on the positives, one thing I'll say about this Texas team that I like, and it usually plays pretty well in the tournament: secondary ball handlers. Yes. So in the tournament, they're going to try to take the ball out of Marcus Carr's hands. And I don't think it's going to hurt us much. Not because, first of all, by the way, Carr will get the ball back as a shooter. I mean, as in terms of setting up the offense, Timmy Allen, uh, Hunter to a lesser extent, unfortunately, his decline you talked about, uh, even Serge Jabari Rice. Yep. These are guys who can initiate your offense, Timmy Allen especially. And I think that's an interesting aspect of this team that, you know, in the NCAAs, coaches can scheme up to take away your primary point guard. And if you don't have good secondary ball handling, you're, you're in a, a world of trouble. But I feel like Texas is going to be able to, to answer that sort of challenge. No, I agree. And I think the, the word you said there was the key is, is initiate the offense. Like there, there's multiple people that can get it started and get it flowing. And they can run through. But the thing that just popped in my head is like, I don't know who Brock Cunningham's uh, shooting coach was over the offseason. But if he's on staff, he needs to stay on staff. <laughs> and if he's not, maybe we should get him on staff because that guy's taken. I mean, you know, he's gone. He's still the effort guy. But I tell you, you leave him open. He's hitting it. Any dude who's out on the court who can play defense and hit an open three is a valuable basketball player. Yeah, he's shooting 45% from three for the year. I'll take it. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's coming back. Saw that, yeah. <laughs> he's living his best life. He's Why not, a, man? He's going to be a doctor yeah. by the time he graduates. Yeah, but no, like I said, it's they're deep. They have multiple, multiple guys that can score, multiple guys that can initiate, like you said. Uh, they have the ability to play defense well. You've seen it happen. They just style of play, whatever you want to get into now, it has not been as efficient. But um I don't know. Hey, when is what do you NFL see that where where do you see them ceiling wise? Depends on their draw. I would agree. Yeah, I just depends on their draw and you know what you know seeding is not as big a deal. Um I think people get they put too much into it. But Eh, you know, there there tends to be a level difference between a 314, 413, 215. Like 
15, 15th seeded teams, eh, you, you can watch them. And these are not great basketball teams, most of them, right? There's some 13 and 14 seed teams that are dangerous in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I would say, you know, the, the team you always fear to run into early is the small team that shoots threes and has a bunch of senior guards. Yep. Because what if they're hot? Well, what if they're hot and they kind of match up okay with us, right? Yes, true. I'm not super fearful. I know people are like, well, we're worried about our size and I get it. You know, we're not a big team. I'm not fearful of the team, the mid-major that has a seven-footer and they run everything through the post. I'm not super scared of that guy. Name the last college basketball team that was dominant in the tournament with a legitimate post presence that they found the offense through. We're about to see that put to case to your point with Purdue. Yes. Right. They've got that seven foot four mm-hmm. monster. Uh, who's been, and I guess them, them last year was probably, would probably be the answer, I guess. Well, but they didn't like go to the final four. Even right. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, in terms of a team, I mean, to your point, post play is, is overdone because of how basketball's changed. And also just the nature of the, the posts. Now, would we all take a young Patrick Ewing? Yes. Yes. We, we would do so. <laughs> but uh, the game's changed, and, and there's ways you can scheme up and cheat against the, the great. The, the defensive rules and the way it's officiated in college just don't lend to post-up game. And the posts you encounter in college, even the great ones, they don't have a sophisticated enough offensive game to True. punish all of your cheap double teams and your guys coming in late and fronting him and then having a guy kind of standing behind him to draw a charge. And, you know, all that stuff, NBA dudes learn in year two. And if you tried to run that same defense against them and, you know, in a similar circumstance, they'd score 45 points and have 11 assists, right? So I think that's the other part of it. Their games just aren't as developed and they can't deal with the, the novelty of the different kinds of defenses you throw under the college rules. No, nope, I agree. Football, anything we got to cover? Anything you want to talk about? I don't think so. Not really at the moment. So um, I, had, I had an interesting discussion with a friend and he raised something that is, is worth the consideration, which is, What record could Texas football have this year that you'd still say, all right, I'm not concerned. Stay the course. We're good. Other than going, you know, 11 and two and having a great year, right? What happens if Texas went seven and five, eight and four in the regular season? Just depends on what it looks like. Yeah. I can't imagine a seven and five would look good. I mean, are you talking about like three different quarterbacks go down in the first two games of the season? Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, two of those are just complete what the hell happened type games or whatever. But you could also make the argument that good teams don't lose those games. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know about the seven and five, eight, eight and four. If it was. Weird circumstances or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be thrilled with it. But as long as it wasn't just abject disaster and, you know, maybe it was stumble early, you were nicked up or, you know, they take off late or something, that may be a little bit more palatable. But, um, yeah, I would say eight and four is probably the, the bottom end of the barrel for me. Yeah. 
So I've been writing these uh, program temperature checks on Inside Texas, where I just go do sort of a deep dive on what's the state, what's the state of this program and their and their coaching viability and all that. And the more I dig into these programs and really dig into who's coming back and their their structure and what their portal looks like so far, Texas should win the Big Twelve. I'm with you. Texas needs to win the big Texas needs to win the Big 12 and Texas should win the Big 12. Now, if they get in the Big 12 title game and stuff happens, whatever. But if they're not playing in the Big 12 title game, I'm going to wonder what happened. No, I I don't disagree. Because man, I mean, the Big 12 is in a transitional phase. I mean, who who's your your leading candidate to be there in the way, do you think? I mean, so Texas Tech has an argument to be the TCU, not national title participant, but I mean, so look, the last two years, we've seen teams predicted to finish in the bottom of the Big 12, win the Big 12, Baylor and TCU. So how did they do it? Well, they returned a lot of experience. Uh, their quarterbacks both played better than they were anticipated to play, although Jerry Bohannon wasn't exactly setting the world on fire. And a bunch of dudes who'd been around sort of yeah. all blossomed. Tech has an argument for that. Uh, people are talking up OU. You'll see some preseason predictions, Randy, where they've got OU as a top 10 team. I don't see it. Uh, I do not see it. I understand they were active in the portal. I don't see it. Um, Oklahoma State, whew, they're they're falling off a cliff. Baylor, I don't know what's going on there. K State would probably be. K State's a good argument, there just because they're kind of always that old, experienced team. They're returning their quarterback and five offensive linemen, and that's a good, good basis place to start for K State. They lost a bunch of dudes on defense. And when K-State's vulnerable on defense, if they can't dominate ball control, you can, you can beat them. And not, it's not just that Texas can beat them. It's that kind of below average to average Big 12 teams have yeah. a shot at them week in and week out. Um, TCU, I mean, I'm, again, I'm seeing preseason polls with them just out of respect or recency bias that they're acting like this is the same team. It's not going to be the same team. Um, you know, say what you want about Max Duggan. That dude balled out. Oh yeah, no, he... and is and he's going to lose all those receivers. They're losing all those receivers. So, um, I mean, what what's left? Any the, any of the new guys make any noise in your opinion? No, not based on what I saw from them last year. Um, uh, you would think BYU maybe. I was saying that would be the only one that I would throw in there. I mean, so maybe they're getting like six Polynesians coming back off mission who are badass. You <laughs> never know. know. You never know. They could have a bunch of 25-year-olds with three kids coming back, and I don't know. But I don't see it. I mean, they've, they've lost their quarterback. They, they, they really struggled last year. Uh, UCF, kind of an incomplete team. I've seen them play. And uh, Houston, dumb as dirt. And they're losing talent. Hall goes on his way out there. Um, 
Cincinnati, they just they still haven't recovered and they lost their coach. Um, no, I, I agree. I think I think it's going to be a down year across the board, and it's there for the taking. It's there for the taking, and and maybe in not to get people's hopes up too much, but maybe in dominant fashion. Maybe Texas, you know, loses a game or goes undefeated during the regular season. Uh, even Bama, that could be a super interesting game on the road. Yeah, they they lost quite a bit. I I don't feel real bad for Alabama. I think they've got a few talented players like lurking uh, in their depth chart, uh, waiting to become the next stars. But uh, they did lose some guys, and you know, Bryce Young was was the was the guy for them. I don't. It's not clear to me who their quarterback's going to be. It. Uh, I think it's going to be a step down. I don't think they're replacing him. Yeah. At replacement level. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of reasons to think Texas could be good. Definitely good. And so the question then is, are we going to drop some games that we shouldn't? And the, the question, you know, the answer, well, the question to that is why? And to me, that determines our feelings about this season. That all said, I just want the result. I just want to, you know, like, I want to see the upsurge. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, I, I'm, I have a hard time saying that eight and four would be okay. But like I said, if depending on what it looked like, who knows? But um, when you talk through it, mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you find four games that you wouldn't be mad about losing. I mean, yeah, we, we, you like, this is counting on losing to Kansas at home and Baylor on the road and the big 12 opener on the road. I mean, I can't say how would that happen? I mean, I've been watching Texas football over the last five years or 10 years, but with what we have coming back and what I think we might be able building up, I don't, I don't yeah. see it. It's, so, it's a favorable setup for sure. Yeah, I would think so. So, and the portal's not done. I still know that's be, the other thing. There's going to be some that, portal dudes available in what may. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I and, think, and that, and that could change the outlook other places as well. I just don't yeah. see any of those people being one to two people away from jumping into another stratosphere. I still no. think they stay on the same level as kind of where I'm thinking they're at right now. Yeah. Who do, who do you think Texas's competition would be? Who's the, who's the sort of extra, who's the other than K-State? <sighs> Uh, you're probably right, honestly. Um, with the tech call, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Baylor making a big turnaround. I think TCU is going to be down. Houston doesn't really bother me. OU, just because they're OU. I mean, they do have some talent. I just don't see them flipping the switch and being that much better next year. I think in two years they'll probably be in a lot better shape. Um. Oklahoma State's, I think, in trouble, but it's Gundy, so who knows? Yeah, I don't, I mean, the, the only one that's kind of the wild card for me is, like you said, uh, you know, what if BYU rolls in with a bunch of 30-year-olds and they find a quarterback? Yeah, and on OU, I, I'm kind of doing my deep dive because that's going to be the next program I write up on the temperature check, the offseason. This kind of blew my mind. I knew it, but I'd forgotten it. I mean, I even wrote it in my preview, but I'd forgotten it just because, you know, I forget half the stuff I've written before. OU 
had a lower ranked defense in 2021 than last year. And that lower ranked 2021 defense lost five dudes to the NFL draft. Wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. So that tells you a couple of things. One, something was off at OU before Lincoln Riley's move. And that's, I think that's partly responsible for Lincoln Riley's move. I think there's a deeper reason than his wife liked the beach. Uh, I think he, yeah, I've kind of talked about this before, but I don't think he's liked his roster very much since 2020. And I think he realized in the new transfer rules, the portal, he could take his favorite part of the roster with him and go start over, right? Just blow it up. And OU was pretty sorry last year. I mean, yeah, I, I just wasn't impressed. I mean, I, you can say that Gabriel's hurt or whatever, but I, I just don't yeah. recall them seeing a game where he was he was playing. Where so, I mean, the, the TCU game is a perfect example. Like everybody's like, "Oh, well, you know, he got hurt against TCU." TCU was going to crush them, yes, whether he played or not. Yes. Um, I, so, Texas I was also Texas was also going to whip. Yeah, them. I don't. Yeah, it wouldn't have been forty nine to nothing, but it would have been forty nine to thirty one. Yeah, something. it was going to be yeah a handle. So I don't know. I, it's it's there's nobody right now where I'm saying, oh, if we can just get by them. Yeah, I don't have that feeling at all. Uh, West Virginia, obviously, we don't play them. They would have fired their coach last year, but they couldn't because they they owe them too much money. Yep. On the buyout, and they've <laughs> JT Daniels. Did you see that? I know he's at Rice now. Is that what you're talking about? He transferred again. Yep. Living the dream, man. It's going to have like have, six degrees. Exactly. Would, would you have pitched for like 11 years just to stay in college baseball and like have fun? I mean, I guess if that's your choice, then yeah, I probably, I guess. I don't know. You don't, you as long as like you can keep doing it. You'd have like four <laughs> master's degrees. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be able to do it in baseball unless you got like a grad scholarship or something like that because the scholarship money didn't oh, go quite as far. But uh, but yeah, if you so if if you were at Vanderbilt and they're just giving you full rides, then yeah, be great. I'm gonna keep peppering that in as much as possible. Screw those guys. All the Texas baseball fans have such a red ass about Vanderbilt. I love it. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, it's pretty smart on their part. I mean, Miami did it for forever. Well, Still it's kind of like let's pick a sport where we can compete. And baseball is kind of that sport. Yep, there you go. And right? you have your, and you have your Jim Jones second baseman of the year scholarship. <laughs> Jim Jones, the cultist. Oh, I don't know. Pick Jim yes, that guy. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's keep burying him. <laughs> let's honor him. He went to Vanderbilt. I'm pretty sure. Look it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he's a commodore if there ever was one. Uh, All right, man. Well, I am uh, plumb out of topics. I think we've covered a large range. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how happy would you be if you saw a sign with the Applebee's logo <laughs> about a mile from your house? It says coming soon in 2023. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. How psyched would you be? It wouldn't matter anymore. I got three kids. It's too close. I wouldn't be able to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only time we get a late night dinner is when the kids are somewhere else or we're somewhere else. So I'll tell you, that is the biggest change from my childhood to the childhoods that kids have nowadays, maybe not in the Boone household, but people just eat out now all the time. 
you know, like three, four, five times a week. Oh, yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're right. When, when we went out to eat, it was a big freaking deal. I mean, God help. I mean, oh. going to eat fajitas downtown at the Hyatt and riding the glass elevators. That Ew. was just that happened like once or twice a year. And we were in heaven. We would go like put on like slacks and a button down shirt to go. Oh, yeah. Like it was a big family event. Yeah. Ryan Stakes was a big deal when I was a kid. My, oh, my, my dad, my dad's youngest brother is famous for that, you know, Victoria's 30 miles away. And anytime they would go to Victoria and eat and they would come back and get to the crossroads right there before you get into hope. He's like, well, I'm glad we're back in Texas now. So i let you know how much they traveled when they were, when oh they were kids. <laughs> I don't trust anyone near yeah. Port Lavaca. Yeah. That's, that's enemy country. A little, little different world back then. That's incredible. That's awesome, man. All right. Well, I got nothing else. You got anything else? No, sir. All right. You are released. Uh, wish you well. I hope the kids get, uh, get well. Stop passing around illnesses. And may you one day get an Applebee's, Randy. Here's to hoping. All right, man. I'm out of here. Take care. All right, man. Hook them. Later.